Welcome to Water Cooler Genius. I am your host, Chadwick Burks, and today we're going to dive deep, dive deep into the wonderful world of cats. Oh yes, the wonderful world of cats. And I will tell you this, true story right now, as I am recording this podcast, my personal cat, as, as opposed to someone else's cat, but my cat, one of my two cats, Willy Wonka, just puked on the floor. I'm not joking. Literally, when I said, welcome to, I see him out of the corner of my eye, puking, and the best thing is, my house has part tile, you know, part carpet, and he actually puked, he walked off the tile to puke directly on the carpet. So what an amazing way to kick off today's podcast, talking about cats. Why cats, do you say? And I say, hmm, because I'm obsessed with, you know, why the internet is just runs on cats, is obsessed with cats. The, the entire internet is nothing but cats. Cat video this, cat video that. And so you sit there and you go, why is that? That cats are so prevalent on the internet and so prevalent in American culture. And now, as I record this, my other cat, Mickey, has walked over to the puke, is smelling it, and just tasted it. So... <sighs> kind of makes me reconsider why I'm doing this cat podcast. But the show is Water Cooler Genius. You need information. You want to expand your horizons while you're being entertained. So that's what we're going to do with cats. Dog lovers, stick with me. We're going to talk about dogs too. And it's not going to be the catastrophe that you think it is. Ha, 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 ha. Okay, well, you probably know that ancient Egypt, <laughs> Egypt, you like that? Ancient Egypt uh, worshipped cats. Cats were like gods to them. And in fact, one of their main goddesses uh, was Bastet, which was half cat and half woman. And uh, this was a pretty powerful goddess. I mean, sometimes she was even embodied the eye of Ra. Now, if you had the eye of Ra looking at you, things were not so good. I mean, that's even one of the secret symbols and, you know, Masonic lodges and whatnot. So the Eye of Ra sees all. And if the Eye of Ra is looking at you, you better be on your best behavior. So Bastet even sometimes embodied that. So she was a goddess that protected against contagious diseases, against evil spirits. So pretty cool goddess to have. And imagine a female with the cat head. That's pretty much what it looked like. You know, you've seen all those other Egypt gods and goddesses that were cat heads or bird heads or donkey heads or whatever. All right, so this was one of those, right? Now, in ancient Egypt, cats were very sacred. They were venerated for numerous reasons. In fact, if you killed a cat, the punishment was death. And what's even creepier about that, or maybe not creepy, but more, say, fascinating about that, is even if you killed a cat on accident, the punishment was still death. So... Today, you're driving the car, some cat runs out in front of you, as sad and as tragic as that is, and it would make me cry, literally, because I am a cat person. You would be put to death for hitting that cat. Runaway chariot, it's the cat, <laughs> boom. Sorry, dude, time to uh, murder you in some weird way so that they can find your desecrated body thousands of years in the future. So when you think, okay, 
the Egyptian loved cats so much and venerated cats. They had a goddess that was part cat. You start asking yourself, well, what's the next logical step? Could cats be aliens then? And I'm not saying it was aliens, but it was aliens, if you know what I mean from the History Channel. Were they aliens? Uh, the cats said, well, the cats didn't say this, but the Egyptians said that cats were gifts from the gods. Hmm. So if you subscribe to the ancient alien astronaut theorists and all of that stuff, who would say that the quote-unquote gods were aliens, cats were gifts from the gods, could cats, in fact, be alien? Well, you know, the internet is full of a lot of crazy stuff. Don't even let me get into Rule 34, but a lot of crazy stuff. And there's actually articles on the internet uh, from, I think, Disclose.tv was one of them, that says, yeah, your cats are aliens, in fact. So there's a large community on the internet that believes cats are aliens. Yeah, I'm, I'm not kidding about that. And part of the things they put forth as evidence is that scientists still do not know exactly how cats purr. They still cannot figure out exactly how cats create a purring sound. And that is true. How that is evidence of alien cats, I'm not really sure. But that's one of their things. Another one of their pieces of evidence is that, you know, cats have a large, large, large number of cones in their eyes, which is part of seeing rods and cones. Remember that? They have a large number of cones in their eyes, which give them super superior vision to other mammals, uh, you know, far superior to other mammals. Okay, I guess so the aliens are better to see you with, my dear. I mean, I don't know, but that's some of the evidence. Uh, another one they have is that cats have this physiology is such that they're able to survive a lot of accidents and incidents that other animals of their height, weight, etc. could not survive. Now, that is true, and that's very curious as to why that is. I, I don't think it's really alien tampering that made that happen, but cats have been known to survive things that normally other animals would not. Hence the expression, cats have nine lives. In fact, there's been a documented cases, like not hearsay, actual documented cases of a cat falling 32 stories, landing on concrete, didn't have a broken bone or anything, just ran away. And there's a video on the internet I saw that really freaked me out. I mean, it was like, ah, but I think it was a cat falling from something like 10 stories onto the concrete, landed on the ground, and then just took off running like nothing even happened. So that is a little strange there. I'll give you that. And then another thing which they cite is how cats can manipulate their meowing to influence humans. So we'll talk about that a little later, but sounds that cats make versus sounds that dogs make, etc. A cat can actually change its meow, and this has been studied, and why the hell this was studied, I have no idea. But it can change its meow when it wants food to imitate a human baby. So if there's a newborn baby in the house, and that baby, you know, obviously cries for food, the cat is smart enough to know that, and it can change the pitch and the tone of its meow to mimic the cry of a newborn baby when it wants to get food. Now, is that kind of shady? Yeah. Is that kind of smart? Yeah. Does that mean a cat's an alien? Yeah, not so much. So, as far as your cats being alien, yeah, maybe they came from another planet with the aliens. I don't know. But as far as a cat being an alien spy, 
which is what the theory is, that they are actually spies for the aliens, and that's why they have such great vision and the purring and all this. I'm going to have to say no on that. So how old is your cat? Where did cats come from? Well, science used to believe that cats came from ancient Egypt because that was the first documentation we had found for a domesticated cat. Domesticated cats were about, let's say, 7,000 BCE. So that's a long time. So I know we use the common era, Christian era, all that, but basically you're like 7,000 years before the time of Christ, right? And that's when we started seeing all of these things of cats appear in ancient Egypt. They're on the tomb wall paintings. There's been cat mummies that have been found, all of these things, about 7,000 BCE. Well, not too long ago, a scientist actually discovered a cat that was buried with its human companion 9500 BCE, and that was in the island of Cyprus. So one guy found one skeleton with the cat and a dude together and said, okay, since they're buried together, probably this cat was domesticated, was a companion to this man, why would he be buried with it? So that put the domesticated cat theory older than we thought. So that was in Cyprus, which for those of you who are geography wizards is not really that far away from Egypt. But that was like 9,500-year-old uh, cat that was found. Pretty old, which is cool. So they thought, all right, I'm going to spend tons of money and tons of time to do the research on cat origins and who domesticated cats first between Cyprus and, and Egypt. Which, again, great work if you can get it. I wish that was my job, that I got paid to study cat DNA to determine who domesticated cats first. Yeah. But there's a huge article about this in Science Magazine. So, I mean, we know this is actually legit. So they did determine that all the modern cats today, domesticated cats, they can be traced to one single ancestor, which is called the Near Eastern Wildcat. The Near Eastern Wildcat is a great-grandpa, well, more than great-grandpa, but of all cats. And for those of you who are super science nerds, that would be Felis Silvestris Libica, okay? Which, by the way, do you know that's that Silvestris? What's that remind you of? Maybe Sylvester the cat? Someone out there was a little too smart for their own good. So they determined that these type A DNA cats were in Turkey, right? Originated in Turkey. And then there's type C DNA cats, which originated in Egypt, so our millions and billions and trillions of dollars that were spent on determining this have told us that cat that turkey domesticated cats about the same time as Egypt did as a type A, Egypt was a type C. However, Egypt was way way better at it. So our scientists have determined that the Egyptians since they venerated cats and they loved cats and basically worshiped cats, they bred so many cats that they kind of did selective breeding. So they would want the cats to reproduce that were nicer, that were calmer, better companions, instead of the cats that I end up having that just want to kill everything that moves and bring you various dead animals of all kinds. So the turkey cats were more for rat-killing, hunting, things along those lines, whereas the Egyptian cats were tried to become more companions. So basically we have Egypt to think, for your fat, fluffy, nice house cats. How did they make it all the way over to the U.S.? 
because we don't have any, you know, obviously we have no records in North America that we found of cat skeletons from, <laughs> from that old. But the theories are that they came over with migrating farmers. But uh, basically the cats we know and love, we will be able to trace those to roughly to ancient Egypt. All right? Good. So here's some little things, too, that kind of would be interesting to you as a cat owner, potential cat owner, or will reinforce to you that I will never be a cat owner, is that your cat, he's clawing up the furniture. He's doing something bad. He's slapping things off into the floor. You know, she is just doing things she's not supposed to do. And so what do, the, what do you always hear your whole life? Oh, I'm going to spray that cat with a water bottle. I'm going to shake some coins, make like a loud noise or something. But that's actually the worst thing you can do. Because there's a guy, a scientist, again, we're going back to our science magazine here, named Dr. Buffington, which uh, sounds like a pretty fake scientist name. But I mean, that's the guy's name, Dr. Buffington. And he says that cats do not know how to connect negative reinforcement with their behavior. So when your cat's sitting there, you know, shredding the couch, which my cats love to shred the couch, and you spray it with a water bottle or you scream at it or you go something like that, that cat doesn't know that you're mad because it's shredding the couch. That cat just thinks you are just insane and attacking it for no reason. Now, how we know what cats think, I have no idea, and I definitely don't make the money for that. But this is what Dr. Buffington is telling us. So if you have a cat and you have those issues, there's something that you can do much better to alleviate those problems, okay? And what Dr. Buffington tells us is that what you have to do is you have to be the positive reinforcement and you let the environment be the negative reinforcement. So for example, if you don't want your cat to shred your couch, put something on your couch that your cat doesn't like. I mean, they have this tape, like double-sided sticky tape that cats supposedly hate to, to scratch because it gets on their paws and everything. I can tell you that, and this is a true story, I had a cat, Samantha. She's no longer with us, but she passed away. But Samantha would really wanted to get into the bedroom. And we would keep the door shut at that time because they didn't want cats in the bedroom, which we gave up on that a long time ago. Now cats go wherever the hell they want to. But Samantha would try to dig under the door and literally dug through the carpet, dug through the carpet pad and was starting to shred on the actual wood. OK, so we came up with all kinds of methods to try to keep Samantha out of the bedroom. We used that double sticky tape. Samantha actually would rip the double sticky tape up so it didn't bother her at all and would eat it just to spite us. Just to show me who the boss was, she would eat the stuff cats are supposed to not even get near and touch. They can't stand it. Literally eat it. So not so sure that that is the greatest stuff out there for stopping cats. But theoretically, you don't want the cat shredding the couch. You put the tape on there. You put something on there they don't like. There's some sprays that cats don't like, whatever. And then you put a more attractive alternative to shredding the couch next to it. Let's say a scratching post with catnip on it. Uh, let's say some toy that they really liked. Um, there's some cardboard scratcher boxes that are awesome, something like that. And then when the cat uses the alternative, instead of shredding the couch, you reward it. You pet it, you give it a treat, something along those lines. So now the cat sees as getting love and praise and attention from you, and it's choosing to do the good thing because it doesn't like the sticky tape or it doesn't like the bitter smell, okay? So Buffington says that's how you have to do it. 
that it will never understand you being the negative, but it does understand an environment as negative and it will make a different choice. So hopefully that saves you some time as well. Also, just while we're on the same topic, you get mad at your cat because you rub its belly and it bites you or scratches you. I don't know how many times I have to tell this to people, but cats do not like to have their belly rubbed. And of course, you're going to be listening and you're going to go, oh man, no, my cat loves to have its belly rubbed. No, it, it doesn't. It may tolerate it, but it doesn't like it. The reason a cat rolls on its back and shows you its belly is not because it wants you to rub its belly. It's a sign of trust. When cats trust each other in the wild, they expose their belly. They show their stomach to the other cat as a sign of trust because that stomach is the most vulnerable part of a cat. So it says, look, I know you're not going to kill me. Check it out. I trust you. I'm even showing you, you know, it'd be like showing you the Achilles heel. And for those of you who don't know what that is, look it up. But it would be the same kind of, of concept. Show the Achilles heel to your foe as a sign that you trust them. So don't rub your cat's stomach unless you enjoy being scratched or bitten. Another thing, too, which is interesting, is that a, the base of a cat's tail has tons and tons and tons and tons of nerves, the very base of its tail. So if you've ever been petting your cat and your cat doesn't really like you to grab its tail or have its tail rubbed or pulled, that's probably why. In fact, uh, good old Doc Buffington tells us that the base of that tail, sometimes if you pet that base of the tail a lot and then your cat just like gets up and freaks out or goes and like goes to the corner or something, it would be similar to us being tickled as humans. So it's that kind of that weird sensation to where if you get tickled, you're like, ha, it's kind of funny for a little bit. But then after like 20 seconds, you're like, for the love of all that's holy, stop tickling me. And you kind of freak out. Yeah, well, kind of the same idea with cat. So that'll tell you that for a cat if it runs off. So basically, leave the cat's tail alone. Okay? Seriously. Now, how many cats do we have in the United States? And don't answer too many, but uh, the American Veterinary Medical Association tells us that U.S. households, and I love how they come up with these numbers, have approximately 74,059,000 cats. Like How you count this, who knows, but that's what they say. In comparison to 69,926,000 dogs. So there are more cats in the United States than dogs. That, that, that was the slow clap for who cares. And, well, you're like, okay, that's, that's interesting. I mean, I may be a cat person, I may be a dog person, but I mean, that's good to know, right? So there you go. Now, let me tell you what else. Cats spend roughly 70% of their lives asleep. We know dogs obviously don't do that. Dogs run around and are just like, ah! Oh, are you threatening me? <laughs> like dogs are like cornholio, right? Running around crazy hyper all the time. Now, trust me, cats have their moments of hyperness, but they obviously sleep uh, a lot more than dogs do. Do you know what a group of cats is called? A group of cats is called a clowder. I mean, remember, you have crows. A group of crows is called a murder. I remember that. I love that. But you have every different weird group name for animals. So a clowder of cats. Not to be confused with chowder, Clowder. And speaking of chowder, even though it's not sweet at all, uh, cats cannot taste sweetness. So they do not have a taste sensation for sweet. 
So if you try to give your cat some kind of candy or or some kind of sweet thing, aside from it probably getting sick, it can't taste the sweetness anyhow. And speaking of feeding your cat stuff, you know, you always see on TV and, and in pop culture and history, like giving cats a bowl of milk. Most cats are actually lactose intolerant. So they cannot digest milk well. It makes them sick. It makes them uncomfortable. So don't give your cats milk unless there is a kind of goat's milk that is actually um, medicinal kind of with probiotics and stuff in it that's made for cats. So cats can have the goat's milk just fine. Of course, special goat's milk from a very, very special goat. Uh, But they don't have regular milk. So don't give your cats milk. And don't give your cats raw fish. Again, contrary to every Tom and Jerry cartoon or Heathcliff cartoon that you have ever seen in your life, raw fish is not good for cats. They love fish, but you can give them cooked fish, uh, and even the fish and cat food is generally cooked as well. Okay, so what are some other neat things to know about cats? And, and again, I have no idea in the world who studied this and how they figured this out, and even more importantly, is why? Because there's no explanation as to why, and I would love to know it. But almost all female cats are right pawed, meaning they use their right paw as a dominant, like right-handed and left-handed for humans. And almost male cats are left pawed. Almost all male cats. Bizarre, huh? But it is true, because my two cats, Mickey and Willie Wonka, they uh, they use their left paw to slap things off of things and to uh, fish food out of the food dish and to make my life generally miserable. So they do use their left paw. Um, I'm pretty sure Samantha used both paws to destroy my house. Well, now let's talk about it. Let's think about this. Cats versus dogs. Because like I said, you're usually you're a cat person or a dog person. So what about cats versus dogs? Who are better? Are cats better or dogs better? I mean, what's the deal, yo? So I was thinking about that, and I'm like, all right, let's do a little more research on that. Cats' brains, we know from science somehow, are more similar to humans' brains than dogs. So that can be a good thing or a bad thing, I guess. Cats can make over a hundred different sounds with their various meowing, and dogs can only make about ten sounds. So cats are are out-speaking dogs, they're out-thinking dogs. Cats have a longer-term memory than dogs, We all know that to be true because once your cat's mad at you, you're going to suffer for a while. I mean, there's a lot of suffering going on with making your cat mad, and they're going to make your life hell for quite a long time as payback. And we've learned, too, which, again, how the hell do you figure this out? But cats have 1,000 times more data storage than your iPad. And I say your iPad because I don't have an iPad. But if I did... My cat would have 1,000 times more data storage than an iPad. So it's like, okay, again, is that better for cats? Is that worse for dogs? I don't know. Do I want my cat storing all the stuff? I don't know. I guess it needs to store all that information so it can beam it back to the mothership since it is, in fact, an alien spy is what we know. Another little neat tidbit for you. Did you know that cats have uh, five toes on the front and only four on the back? And you're probably like, no way, dude. No, check it out. Five on the front, four on the back. There are certain kind of cats that have more toes than that, and they're called Hemingway cats. And I'll leave it to you to research why that is, because that's something you can find out pretty easily. But they are polydactyl. You know what that means? Like many toes. See? 
You just learn so much on this podcast. Abraham Lincoln had four cats when he lived in the White House. So that was pretty cool if you're a cat lover. Four cats in the White House. And uh, there you go for that. You know, cats' noses are completely unique. It's like a human's fingerprints. Like every cat's nose is different. So just random cat facts coming at you. They use their whiskers to measure distances, if they can fit through a space or not. Uh, the width of the whiskers tell them, you know, if they can fit through this hole, if they're going to make it out of there or not. So never, ever trim a cat's whiskers. It's bad. They hate it. It makes them go crazy. It affects their, their everything, their balance or equilibrium. So don't ever mess with a cat's whiskers. Uh, I know that from personal experience. I didn't do it, but I knew someone who trimmed their cat's whiskers, and it was a really, really bad idea. You, your cat rubs on you, and you're like, oh, it's so sweet. My cat loves me so much. No, they're just marking the territory. They're claiming you as their personal property when they rub on you. And when they lick themselves, oh, they're taking a bath. They're di- No, they're getting your smell off of them. So they rub on you like saying, this owner is mine. This is mine. And they're like, oh, my gosh, you stink so bad. And then they lick the smell off of you. Black cats? Bad luck in the United States. Oh, black cat, Halloween, scary. No, in the UK and, you know, Great Britain, England, for those of you to be more specific, and Australia both, they are considered good luck. Black cats are good luck. The Egyptian word for cat, which I probably should have talked about this in the Egypt section, is mao, which basically means one who meows. So see, you should dig, <laughs> you should dig that. That's pretty great, right? And finally, um, you know, cat Owners are 17% more likely to have a graduate degree than non-cat owners. And you'd say, well, wonder why that would be. My theory is that because most cat owners are more introverted than dog owners, and so they spend more time reading books and staying at home being crazy cat ladies and such, and so they might be a little smarter or they like to do online schooling a lot. Theory. And you know what actually supports my theory? Now you're going to have to think about this a little bit. But this actually supports my theory. When they did surveys, and again, who the hell does this survey? And who the hell gets paid to do the survey? But when they did surveys, they uh, a cat owner was 25% more likely to pick George as their favorite beetle. 25% more likely to pick George as their favorite beetle. And I think that supports my theory because George was basically the introvert of the Beatles. So an introvert kind of likes to pick another introvert as their favorite Beatles. So that makes sense. You know, cats purr, I'm going to do a whole separate podcast on this it's about rife frequencies. But a cat's purr, this is just kind of just tease you a little bit, actually is heals itself. And there's a lot of hospitals that will let cats... Uh, go with hospital patients because they believe cats are healing. And scientific research has shown that the actual frequency of the cat's purr, it's around 20 hertz. Uh, that frequency is basically the same frequency that your body go uses to heal bones and muscles. So when bones and muscles are healing, it's nearly the identical frequency of a cat's purr. And there's a great scientist that studied all this whose name was Rife. And again, I'm going to make you a separate podcast about that because that's super freak. That's super freaky stuff. And rife frequencies can actually change your entire life. So we'll talk about that later. But that's just a little tease for you. And so then finally, when I was trying to figure out who who rules, the cats rule, dogs drool, is it the opposite way? I'm like, who has the most famous animals? 
I mean, how many famous dogs can you think of? And how many famous cats can you think of? So I sat there and I made the list of like every famous dog I could think of. And I went and asked some of the very, very few friends that I have uh, for their famous dogs. And they did the same thing for famous cats. Now, let's kind of set the rules here a little bit. I'm not going down into the rabbit hole of, okay, this cat was in one movie that some people saw, some people didn't. And so I'm going to name it. That's not really famous to me. Famous means some cats that most people will recognize who they are today. So if you miss this one Disney movie back in the 60s or something, and it wasn't a hugely mega huge famous Disney movie, then that's not going to count. So I'm not counting that for cats or dogs. Uh, on the same token, I'm strictly not counting. A cat has to be a cat. It cannot be a lion. It cannot be a panther, even though they're in the same family. It cannot be a meerkat, which is not in the same family, but people think it is because that's cat in the name. It has to be a cat or a dog, okay? Here's a list of famous dogs I came up with. You ready? Marmaduke, Scooby-Doo, I guess Scrappy technically, but I'm not counting Scrappy. Scrappy sucked. Snoopy, Marley from, you know, Marley and Me, Brian, the dog from Family Guy, Rin Tin Tin, Beethoven, and not, not the musician, Lassie, Old Yeller, Toto, Pluto, Odie, Ren from Ren and Stimpy, who is technically a Chihuahua. I'm grouping all into one group, 101 Dalmatians, so we're just grouping that into one group, okay? Uh, Lady and the Tramp. And then you have Petey. Remember Petey from the Old Rascals? That was cool. Little Rascals, Little Rascals. So I don't know why I said Old Rascals, but I, well, I guess because they're pretty much all dead now, so it's pretty old. Remember Triumph? Triumph was one of my favorite ever. The cigar-smoking comic insult dog. Even though he's technically a puppet, he's still a dog. So Triumph is on there. Triumph is awesome. Laika? And you're like, Laika? Who's Laika? Laika was like the dog that went into space in Russia. It was a stray dog in 1957 that went into space in Sputnik. So you're like, well, how is Laika really famous? Well, Laika's only like one of two dogs in history that has an actual national monument erected to it. So we're going to count Laika. And by the way, that's a really interesting story too. So research Laika, the space-traveling dog. And, uh, and, and you could dig that. Okay, how about the Taco Bell dog? Taco Bell dog? That's pretty cool. You know, yo quiero Taco Bell. Okay. Clifford, the big red dog. Hachi. So that's one for our foreign friends. And you should research Hachi as well. This was a dog whose owner passed away at the train station. And this poor dog went to the train station like every day looking for its owner for like a decade or something. It's, it's a very sad story, but very inspirational story. Of course, you have Pavlov's dogs salivate when he rung the bell. I mean, that counts. That's very famous. It's kind of a collective there. Santa's Little Helper. It's from The Simpsons. Uh, Muttley. Do you remember Muttley? Muttley was like Dirk Dasserly's dog who like would laugh and go like... <laughs> like that's how he laughed. Remember that? Muttley was cool. Uh, McGruff, the crime dog. Uh, we have Miss, uh, Spuds McKenzie and Mr. Piffles. Mr. Piffles is Piff the Magic Dragon's dog. And if you don't know who Piff the Magic Dragon is, you're really missing out a lot in your life. You need to look up Piff, P-I-F-F, the Magic Dragon, watch some of his stuff, his comedy and magic on YouTube, and his little performing magical dog is named Mr. Piffles. And I feel really dumb because I've been a fan of Piff the Magic Dragon for a really, really long time. 
And I've known, you know, Mr. Piffles has always been there since day one. And literally after five, six, seven years, I don't know how long it's been. I just now, like two days ago, connected, hey, Mr. Piffles, Piff, Piffles. Like Piffles came from Piff, and it's like Piffles because it's like a miniature Piff. I just figured that out. And I feel really dumb for just now figuring that out. So my count on the famous dogs came to 27 dogs, okay? Now, famous cats. Here's the famous cats, right? Ready? Got the cat in the hat, the Cheshire cat from Alice in Wonderland, uh, Grumpy Cat definitely is on the list now. And by the way, Grumpy Cat's real name was Tartar Sauce. Just curiosity there for you. Yep. Tom from Tom and Jerry. Azrael. Remember Azrael? It's from the Smurfs. That was Gargamel's cat, Azrael. Um, you have Scratchy, Itchy and Scratchy. Also the Simpsons. Hello Kitty. Sylvester. Snowball. And you can choose which one you want between Snowball 1 through 5. For also from the Simpsons. I'm personally adding Snowball 2 to this list, okay? Uh, Garfield. Keyboard Cat, which, by the way, Keyboard Cat was a shelter cat. So he was adopted from the uh, shelter. So, uh, you know, adoption is super important. So you could get yourself an awesome cat just like Keyboard Cat by going to the cat shelter or Humane Society. So please do that. Felix the Cat. Now, some people would say Fritz the Cat should go on this list, too. I did not put Fritz the Cat on this list. And if you know who Fritz the Cat is, you are a sick, sick individual. Heathcliff, the Aristocats, just lumping that into one group too. Uh, Simon's Cat. Simon's Cat, something else you should look up. Hope you're writing this stuff down because it really is life-changing. Simon's Cat is awesome, awesome, awesome. You can see Simon's Cat on YouTube. There's little cartoons, um, and it's just great. It's great, simple animation. It's hilarious if you love cats or not. But check out Simon's Cat, also a book of his comics. Uh, Mr. Jinx, and that's from Pixie and Dixie. Remember them? Of course, you've got Puss in Boots from the Shrek world and from the non-Shrek world. Stimpy from Ren and Stimpy. How about Mr. Bigglesworth? You're like, oh, I know that, Mr. Bigglesworth. Austin Powers was Dr. Evil's cat, Mr. Bigglesworth. Uh, you have Cy and M, which were the Siamese cats from Lady and the Tramp. We are Siamese, if you please. Remember that? That was hilarious. It was a good song. Of course, Meowth from Pokemon, which, okay, here's another of my great impressions. Are you ready? Meowth, that's right. I think that was good. What about Toonsis, the driving cat from Saturday Night Live? Another epic one. Has his own calendar and T-shirts and everything. Top Cat. We've got Pusheen. Again, you may not know who Pusheen is, but if you don't, then you don't go on the internet very much. Again, for our international friends. Uh, And uh, so that brings our cat total up to, just purely coincidentally, 27. So we had 27 famous cats, 27 famous dogs. I really, like, racked my brain to try and, and figure it out for both sides. And that's what I came up with. Now, I can think of some other things that are borderline for either side. I mean, for the cats, you immediately think of Catwoman. That's not a cat, dude. It's a woman. What about Pink Panther? Pink Panther, also super mega famous, but again, a panther. And uh, Aslan from, um, what's that thing, Narnia? It's the lion, dude. What about Simba and all that? Again, lions. So we're not going to go down that road. And I know someone's going to say, but dude, you forgot about the greatest show of all time. It could be the simple, most greatest cartoon in the history of everything. What about the Thundercats, man? Well, I mean, I don't know. Are they cats? I mean, 
basically it was a really bizarre cartoon from the 80s with like something that looked like kind of cats and they're wearing spandex and they all have hairspray on and makeup and so I don't know man I don't know but I didn't put the Thundercats on this list so I came up at 27 to 27 and I'm just gonna stick with that so who wins between cats and dogs in the famous list bizarrely bizarrely it's almost equal um, so you can make that choice for yourself. Well, I hope that you have enjoyed learning about cats and a little bit about dogs as well. Again, if you're a cat person, awesome. If you're not a cat person, there's still time to be one, or there is still time to avoid being one, depending on how you look at things. But I will tell you that out of cats, only, and this is sad, but uh, only 24% of cats that go into a shelter actually get adopted. Only 24% of shelter cats nationwide are adopted. Um, so I'm sure you can do the math on what the alternative is if they don't get adopted. So if you want a cat, you're looking for a cat, or you just have an extra spot in your home or a place in your heart, go to a shelter. Go adopt your cat from the Humane Society or from some animal shelter or animal rescue. Give them a good home. Show them the love that you have, and they will give you that love back. It's the right thing to do. Do not buy a cat. Do not like take your friend's cat and all that. No. Go get one from the shelter. And if you can, don't get a kitten. Kittens almost always get adopted very quickly, very easily. Get you an older cat that has some character and some experience who is less likely to get adopted. Show them your love. And if you thought that you were going to make it out of here without your amazing, completely, utterly stupendous, fabulous, amazing jokes of the day, you were wrong. So since we're talking about cats, and this was a catastrophe, pretty sure that's the second time I've said that, here are your amazing cat jokes for today. Number one, what do you call a huge pile of kittens? A meowton. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that was really good. And uh, for another one, here we go. Three cats are talking to each other. The first one says, meow. The second one says, meow. And the third one says, meow, meow. To which the first replies, hey, don't change the subject. There you have it. Amazing jokes, amazing cat facts, and uh, just a lot of amazingness going on as usual in this podcast. Well, that's my PSA for today. I hope you guys enjoyed the show and love it. Uh, we are going to dive into the rife frequencies and the next podcast, because I think you really will dig that. That's super interesting, and I'm not kidding when I say it can change your life. It's going to be a little nerdy, but it's going to be super practical. So hope you have an amazing week, and we will see you next time on Water Cooler Genius. <laughs>